You're listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature. Hi, this is Father Mark Bulos, and you are listening to Tarazi Tuesdays with the Bible as Literature podcast. In today's episode, Father Paul begins his discussion of Genesis chapter 15 and the covenant with Abram. I am happy to introduce Father Paul on the Bible as Literature podcast, Tarazi Tuesdays. Father Paul, you have been talking a lot in our review of Genesis about the cycle of Abram, and now we've come to chapter 15, and there's suddenly this strange story about a covenant with Abram. I'm sure that most of our listeners don't think of these covenants as strange, but it is interesting and curious the way it pops up. And we're looking forward to hear you talk today about Genesis chapter 15. Yes, indeed. It's the first mention of covenant with Abram before the famous covenant of circumcision a few chapters later. And people, you know, just dismiss it. They jump from Noah to circumcision. to, But it is there. But again, as usual, it's the entire chapter that we have to hear because the mention of the covenant is within this chapter. And actually, at the end, you know, it culminates. So after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. Okay, vision is very important in the prophetic tradition. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Very interesting. Magen. Your reward shall be very great. The reward in Hebrew is this word, sakar, from which we have sikar. It's something you earn because you have done what is required from you very important in preparation for later when we hear that Abraham did the will of God in 22 and then in 26, which people usually miss because they concentrate on his faithfulness and that's all he had to do, which is incorrect. Faithful means to be trusting, but when the word is a word of command, you express your trust by doing it. And this is what Paul hammered the Galatians with. Okay, remember my famous statement, salvation in scripture is free of charge. You don't earn it, as Paul says in Ephesians, but God through it has prepared you to do the good works he had been assigning to you. So it is very important that we keep this in mind and not mishear scripture. So I'm your shield, I shall protect you, but you have to do what your protector is asking you to do. And this will be expressed in the rest of the story. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will thou give me? For I continue childless. Very important, that part. And again, you know, unless 
we come from the ancient Near East and we are baptized in Plato, what do we mean child? I mean, you have eternal souls. No, we don't have eternal souls to continue as God established in Genesis 1. For the individual to continue, one does it through progeny, Genesis chapter 5. So that is the first question of Abram. I mean, what is it that you can give me? Because if I die, what you give me is going to disappear. It's not going to continue in my progeny. And the heir of my house, very interesting, that use of the word heir of my house, is Eliezer of Damascus. Very interesting. Eliezer means my God is help, or help comes from my God. But it is in Damascus, very interesting, that what I call curveball. It's the inclusion of the entire Syrian wilderness. But it is far away, remember, Damascus, Hamad, Soba, Tadmor, and so on. So the question is that how am I going to inherit Canaan, which is more specifically, the scriptural Canaan is the entire Syrian wilderness, but more specifically, that piece of land that is connected with Joshua. And then Abram makes himself clear, thou hast given me no offspring, that famous Zerah, and a slave born in my house will be my heir. So it is not my progeny, but someone who serves me that is going to be my heir. So Abraham was unhappy about God's promise. But then the retort of God is, this man shall not be your heir, and we have the verb yarash, to inherit. Your own son shall be your heir. And again, we have that verb yarash, your own son. And clearly, this is a preparation for the complex story of Abraham, Abraham with God, that he and Sarah made their calculations, and they went for a son through Hagar, and God intervenes again by saying that this is not your son. And I shall show you in a few verses how the text already has a pointer to Isaac, which is the actual son of Abraham. Not that Abraham begot him, but it is the one promised by God through Sarah. So we have a preparation for this. And as I said, I shall show you where the pointer lies. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be, which is your progeny. And that is 
the text that Paul uses in Galatians and Romans that is very important. Abram did not continue the discussion as Abraham shall do regarding Gomorrah. Directly, although the proposition was impossible, Abram was very old and Sarai was barren. I mean, what are you talking about? And here we have a key text that he believed the Lord. Notice how the translation is very interesting because it is not he believed in the Lord, which has been misconstrued in theology as though there is a person and you deal with him. No. The original trust, whether in Hebrew or Greek in this case, we do not have the is from Greek, like is ton kirion, but it's the dative, the indirect complement. You trust to someone. I'm talking about Hebrew and Greek. So it is very interesting, and I need to underscore that. It is not the belief we understand. Is that God said that, and I put, I trust him, not in him, I trust him. But again, in the two originals, it is the indirect compliment. And he reckoned it to him as righteousness. Notice the reckoning by calculation from the verb hashab, which Paul uses again in Romans chapter 4. In other words, the righteousness is made so by God. Remember the story of Job, who wanted to declare himself righteous. It is not so. You have to trust in the word of the Lord, and let me jump to Job, where at the end God appears to him in a whirlwind, and Job repents. It's a classic text, but again, we have to hear it in the original. We have key words, the trust and not believed, and in the sense of creed, but he trusted, and he, the Lord, reckoned this in his catalog, in his book, for Abraham, as righteousness that he was according to God's will in the law. But again, as I said in the intro, this is not free of charge because Abram will have to do something and let me jump precisely when he will be tested through his son Isaac and he is asked to sacrifice him. I mean, it's silly. God promises him Isaac, then he gives him Isaac, and he asks him to offer back Isaac to him, meaning he's bereaving him from progeny. But we have to wait for that. What is important now is to begin to see how the stories that are coming are already set up in this chapter. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess again 
the RSV is disastrous with this possess. It is to inherit in the original. You don't possess. The inheritance remains always a gift that you have to hand down to your children. It's not like your own property. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it again? It's inherited. Remember, earlier, the inheritance, it's all from the same root, Yarash. So if you hear it in Hebrew, it's very clear. Your heir, your heir, inherit, inherit. So if I don't have an heir, what are you talking about? And suddenly God asks him to bring him animals for sacrifice and Let's go a little bit, not too much in detail. I don't want to burden my hearer. I'm going to zero in on the main thing that we have on the one hand, larger mammals, a heifer and a she-goat, and on the other hand, birds, which later in the law, we shall hear of them as offerings. But what is interesting in this particular case is that we have two of one kind at the beginning and two birds at the end of the other kind. And then in between, notice we have five animals reminding us of the Torah, but we have the ram. Which word is found only twice in Genesis? Here and in the story of the sacrifice of Isaac. So there is no way that this is not intentional. You have the ram in the middle to make them five. And we'll have to wait. Again, you see how people ask the question, explain to me here. Uh, it's not important, but I'm doing this because we have a podcast. But we have to wait until it hits your ear. Remember, scripture has to hit your ear, not your eye. But when you start imagining, you're projecting your own vision, and then you don't hear anymore, because you want to see what you want to see. And when birds of prey came down above the carcasses, Abram drove them away. The sacrifice has to take place. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and lo, a dread and great darkness fell upon him. Very powerful word that we heard of very early in Genesis 1, meaning that Abram, at the end of the day, was not able to figure out what was going on. Then comes the word of the Lord again. You see how the Lord controls the entire story. Know of a surety that your descendants, which again, your Zera, will be sojourners in that land that is not theirs. Very important. We have Ger. Actually, 
in Hebrew, ger, is singular because the word zera, progeny, is singular. So your progeny will be sojourning, will be a ger, in a land that is not theirs. That is why RSV irritates me with the word possession. And will be slaves there. And they will be oppressed for 400 years. This is the stay in Egypt, which Abram experienced earlier. Okay, so that is the inheritance. The land of Canaan is no better than Egypt, as we shall see with the mention in a few verses of the Amorites. You are always a gear, and that will come in that famous chapter 26, where we have the passing of the torch between Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac is reminded that God is procuring the promise to him because Abraham obeyed the statutes. But Isaac knew what to do. He behaved as gear as much as the Philistines were there to enjoy this land in peace together and not through oppression. That is why time and again God reminds his people that you were sojourners in Egypt. Don't change that reality. Otherwise, you're going to miss the boat completely. Remember, this will connect us to the fact that God saved his people from the slavery of Egypt to make them his slaves. The Bible as Literature is a production of the Ephesus School Network.